It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. You are listening to the next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review. Of the guilty. 911, this is emergency operator 625. I've just been Okay, sir, I need to know where you are. Last name? Is this the fire department? No, ma'am, you've reached 911, but I can connect you to fire. Just hold the line. What does she look like? She was tall, pink hair, in heels. Hey, man, can you tell me how long it's going to take? 911, what is the address of your emergency? I just want to talk to you. Okay, I'm hanging up. Just stop for a drive, sweetie, okay? Is there someone with you? Uh Uh-huh. Is the person you're with know you called us? No. Who do they think you called? Your child? Yes, sweetie. Does the person you're with have a weapon? Yes. I need the color of the car, okay? When I say the right one, say it's fine. Red? White? That's fine. Is it a car? No, man. No, just yes or no. Just yes or no answers, Emma. I have a woman who's been abducted. What are we looking for? A white van. That's not enough. Come on! Mommy? Man, just talk to your mommy. She's gonna be okay. You promise? I promise. You have air support available? Negative. Air support is grounded due to fire weather. There is a scared little girl whose mother has been abducted. I need a better location. I'll get it. How will you get it? I know Emily's with you. Where are you going? What's going on? Oh my god. LAPD, we need medical immediately. What's going on? Is your seatbelt on? No. Is Henry? Mom. No. Put yours on. Now listen. I need you to pull the handbrake hard. Pull it. Everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for The Guilty, and the story is as follows. A troubled police detective demoted to 911 operator duty scrambles to save a distressed caller during a harrowing day of revelations and reckonings. The film is starring Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal. And no, I'm kidding. There, there are other people in this movie. Ethan Hawke, Riley Keough, Christina Vidal, Mitchell, Eli Gorey, Divine Joy Randolph, Paul Dano, and Peter Sarsgaard. It is directed by Antoine Fuqua, written by Nick Pizzolatto. Here to join me today for this podcast review, I have Sarah Clements. Hello, hello. Zach Gilbert. Hey, everyone. Dan Baer. 911, what's your emergency? That I'm doing a podcast with all of you. <laughs> and ah. Will Mavity. I was going to try to do a Riley Keough voice, but that, you know what, that's my vocal cords are not up to that tonight. Hi. <laughs> uh, so we're talking about the guilty here, everyone. This is uh, on Netflix and it is a American remake of the uh, popular Danish film uh, that came out just a few years prior in 2018. Uh, wasn't nominated for the Oscar, but it was definitely a worthwhile thriller worth checking out at the time of its release. Very taut, very tight, and quite frankly, 
all of the words I would use to describe that film, I can also apply to this new Americanized version here. Uh, there really isn't much of a difference uh, between the two. However, we never did review the original, so this is a good opportunity to talk about that. Maybe also talk about um, American remakes in general. And I'm curious to know what everyone's thoughts on this was, uh, because, you know, it did premiere at the Toronto International Film Festival, where I imagine most of us uh, got a chance to see it. And, of course, we're all fans of Smelly Poo, Jake Gyllenhaal, a.k.a. he doesn't bathe, apparently, from what I understand. So let's hear first from Will Mavity. Will, I know you and I actually have had conversations about the uh, Danish original before in the past. Curious to know, what did you think of The Guilty? This version, might I add. <laughs> uh, this version, yeah. Um, so I, I think obviously everyone is going to agree that there was no burning need to remake this particular movie. I think that is fair to say for most English language remakes of international films. That being said, um, it doesn't actively fuck up what made the original work, which some English language remakes have done. Looking at you, old boy. How about uh, Downhill doing uh, Force Majeure? Many of them. I mean, like at the end of the day, <laughs> occasionally you get your The Birdcage, you're The Departed, but generally, you know, at, at very best, they, they're okay. So I would put this as a little bit below Let Me In in terms of Ooh, good comparison. English language remakes, where it's it, it's totally competent. I don't know why it exists, but it doesn't. I don't think it's nearly quite as taut and suspenseful as the original version. But, you know, it's 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 a brisk thriller. I think if I didn't know what was coming plot wise, I would have really enjoyed it. Hall is giving it his all. Um, I think it could have been a bit shorter, honestly, to make that kind of relentless pace even better. But it's, you know, for what it is, it's totally respectable. Okay. All right. Next up, Sarah Clements. Sarah, what did you think of the 2021 version of The Guilty? Um, yeah, I mean, having seen the original um, when it was released, I was pretty apprehensive about this remake. Didn't really think it needed to exist, um, but I did end up really liking it, though. Um, there are elements that are that different that differentiate it from the original, especially in, you know, the writing of Jake Gyllenhaal's character, Joe, like bringing in how he suffers from a mental illness and giving him a daughter and an, an estranged uh, wife. And I really like how the sound work is is really excellent and it makes you help. It helps you um, really feel his emotions Especially when he gets the, especially when they get the best of him. Mm -hmm. um, but it was hard for me to enjoy it as much as the original because it's basically, as you said, Matt, like pretty much the same beat by beat as the as the original. So in the end, like the shock I experienced watching the original film couldn't be rec replicated in this one. But um, you know, it still managed to be a really uh, suspenseful experience. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with a lot of that for sure. Um, next up, let's hear from Dan Bear. So I got to see this um, at the Toronto International Film Festival, and it I had not seen the original. Oh, OK. I like this. Different perspective here. So I only have this to go by. Um, but, but even that said, like, it's pretty obvious 
where the movie is going because there's pretty much only one direction it could go. Um, and because it's very clear from the beginning that there's going to be some kind of twist and it is not the kind of movie where the twist is, it's all in his mind. Everything is fake. So that narrows down the potential endings by a lot. Um, and I, while I didn't, well, I didn't picture the exact way it went down. It was not exactly surprising when all was revealed, but that said, Everything that Antoine Fuqua does with the direction of this movie is perfectly calibrated to bring everything to a boil and let it release at the exact right moment. And on top of that, Jake Gyllenhaal, this is his best performance in quite a while, and he's not one who is ever really known to half-ass it when he's on screen. He always puts in 100%, and for this to be this good, props. Mad props. All right, and Zach Gilbert. So I, like Dan, had not seen the original beforehand, um, and I didn't want to. Like I wanted to kind of go into this and not have that comparison. I've since watched it, but that made this viewing experience, which I also saw at TIFF, uh, really riveting, I thought. Like, I was really impressed by the way uh, they built up the twist, and I actually did not see, you know, the final revelation coming, so I was taken aback, and I thought it was really emotional and well done, in spite of, you know, how lurid it could have been. Um, I thought Jake was amazing, as everyone else has said, but I really liked the entire voice cast. I thought Keo really balanced the tricky part pretty well. Um, and I loved to Joy Randolph. I thought she was just a blast. Like anytime he was bickering with her, she was hilarious. And yeah, I thought it was just like Will said, it's a really solid thriller. I, I keep going back and forth on whether or not if I prefer the original or if I like this new version more, because quite honestly, they do feel very much like the same movie to me, as Will was saying earlier, uh, beat for beat for beat to the point that it's like almost hard for me to distinguish the two. Now, Sarah did bring up a few things that I do agree with, though, in terms of kind of changing the character of uh, Joe, played by Jake Gyllenhaal here, just a little bit. Um, What I think I respect the most, though, about this remake is that the ending for the character is the same as it was in the original. I was a little worried about how that was going to be handled this time around, especially considering how our country feels towards uh, law enforcement at this current point in time. So, you know, kudos to them for, you know, keeping track with that. Uh, But ultimately, I think that if you're a fan of Jake Gyllenhaal, which pretty much all of us are here, this is the Jake Gyllenhaal show. You know, he really, really does carry it on his back. I don't I don't feel that anything that Antoine Fuqua is doing here in terms of direction. Yes, while it's solid, it's not something that we haven't necessarily seen before. And the movie does move at a relentless pace, as Will was saying as well. So it's not like you can watch this and necessarily be bored, per se. Uh, but at the same time, I, I think that Jake is the glue for all of it because Yes, like his uncontrollable anger and outbursts, his frustration and this pent up anxiety that is just boiling because he's got this very important hearing the next morning. Uh, There is a reckoning coming for him, ultimately, no matter how this evening goes. And there is kind of like this interesting 
detachment that one could feel doing the job that he has as a dispatcher where it's just answering the phone and if it doesn't work out like everyone around him like kind of treats it like all right i'm getting off from work i'm going home or you know don't let your emotions get the better of you work with your uh, other teams and get see see the job through you know there, there's kind of like this almost emotional detachment that is being thrust upon him but jake is so Oh, or his character Joe is so emotionally invested in seeing to it that uh, this woman that's been supposedly kidnapped uh, is delivered home safely. And I, I I really like that as our window into the story that we get sucked into the emotion of it all because our lead character is so invested in it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's one of those things that like came close to breaking the movie for me because this type of movie basically asks you to believe that the lead character is so good at their job while also acting like they are someone who is really terrible at their job. I mean, he definitely acts like a immature child <laughs> at times. Yeah. And someone who like does things that obviously someone who is doing this for a job, like would know better. And the script easily establishes that he should know better. But, but you know what I, but you know what I point that out as Dan almost what I, I honestly almost feel like that that is almost a subtle commentary on the incompetency of cops in general. Yeah. See, and I thought it was more a comment on like how impossible of a job this really is. I, I could see it both ways because especially since Jake he is so believable as someone who would let his emotions run away from him over something that is so personal, you know? Mm -hmm. But, and the thing is, is like, he's not exactly wrong. I mean, you're there with him throughout the whole thing and you can see everything that he's going through. And because he is so good, you understand every decision he makes and exactly why he makes it, even while at the same time you're like, oh, come on, don't be an idiot. But that never breaks the character because he's doing such good work. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast.
Yeah, and that's why I liked that they brought in the element of the character having a child, because it just makes the entire thing that much more, like, intense. Oh, yeah, especially when he's talking to, uh, on the other end of the phone, um, the the kid. Mm-hmm. So good. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. There's a number of really good uh, voice performances in this. It reminded me a bit of uh, the Tom Hardy film, uh, Locke. Locke, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 while I think Riley Keough is doing some really excellent work here i actually think the most underrated uh person is uh peter sarsgaard actually I was say that yeah yeah he's always great i keep waiting for him to get another big turn i know right it's been so many years uh that i feel like that he's had his moment in the sun but he's always just been such a reliable character actor and here i like i said i, I feel like especially considering how he has to make the development of that character so believable uh, I think he sells it incredibly well. Uh, and then there's, of course, uh, I don't remember who brought this up, but someone brought up the uh, banter between uh, Devon Joy Randolph and uh, Jake Gyllenhaal in this. Yeah, that was me. She is just a delight. Like, I loved her in Dolomite. I loved her in Hulu's High Fidelity with Zoe Kravitz. She just, oh God. she's like, oh, so good. And she just kept matching him, like Gyllenhaal, and would not take any other shit. And it was perfect. And it was like the perfect counter to kind of like his really like, big bravado and everything and i thought Mm. it brought some levity into like what was otherwise an insanely tense movie she's perfect i think all the voice acting in this is great but she was the standout for me (laughs) and you know it's funny because uh the writer on this film uh nick pizzolato he is most well known for developing the show true detective which if anyone here has seen a season of true detective whether it be one two or three that's a very dense show. Like, there is a lot of monologuing, a lot of philosophy. <laughs> There's a lot going on in True Detective. So in a way, I almost feel like him doing this was kind of like, I need a break from these original characters, th- these settings with all these different people and this labyrinth of a storyline i need something straightforward something simple oh wait there's a pre-existing script and i can just modify it i'm doing i'm taking a vacation (laughs) you know yes absolutely and then like antoine fuqua you know he's worked with jake gyllenhaal before on southpaw and i would argue very similar to the guilty here that it's like it's not so much that ivor film is like a great movie but he seems to have a certain level of trust working with Antoine Fuqua, Jake does, that it, it does come across that he's able to really get the best out of Hall. Yeah, I mean, Southpaw's a pretty forgettable movie, but, I mean, Jake is incredible in that. And, um, you know, this isn't a great movie, but for Fuqua, it's definitely a breath of fresh air compared to his little Mark Wahlberg vehicle earlier this oh, year. Oh, Infinite? Oh, my Lord, that was rough. <laughs> That was rough to sit through. I forgot that was in the same year. (laughs) And correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't he directing Jake in this one? Like they weren't even in the same room. He was like directing him through like Zoom or something. He was uh, in a van, uh, apparently not on the set. And he had screens that were connected to the cameras that were with Jake. And he, yeah, I think directed him all through like an iPad or something. Interesting. Yeah, he didn't uh, have any contact with the cast and crew. But it's funny, though, because like in an age where like all these different 
COVID restricted movies are being made. This is like one of the type of storylines and setups, if you will, that I feel like whether like if it wasn't COVID times, I still feel like a movie like this would have been made the exact same way. Yeah, yeah I mean, it was it was going to be made already before COVID. Yeah. So. Well, oh yeah, that's right. It was made in 2018. You're right. <laughs> well, it wasn't made in 2018, but it was it was greenlit. You know, greenlit. Was oh, okay, okay, yeah. Before COVID, and you know, mass felt the same way. Honestly, I do wonder though if it wasn't COVID, if they would have opened up the story outside of the uh, police station. God, I'm so glad they didn't though. Like, yeah, I see the too. temptation, especially like maybe with Keo and Sarsgaard, but. It like that was one thing I was gonna say about Fuqua's direction is that even though it's such a small space, he maximizes the tension in there so well and just really keeps it on like Joan Hall's face. And I I was like riveted the entire time. I was fully in. There wasn't really a moment I was distracted or taken out of it at all. So kudos to him for that. Yeah, and the few times that we do go out of that room, it's mostly just like fire in the streets of LA or the surrounding areas, really. I really wish there was more of a commentary on that. It's clear that they added that as a backdrop for obviously the purposes of creating uh, conflict within the screenplay for, you know, obstacles for the characters mm-hmm. to face as they're trying to solve this mystery. But at the same time, it's like yeah, forest fires in LA are a pretty big deal. I, I wish they wouldn't have used it and not commented on it politically in some way. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, you know, it's like that idea of like, oh, man, not everything has to be political. And it's like, well, no, everything is political. You know, it doesn't have to be political, but it uh, I think a forest fire works pretty well for, I guess, kind of mirroring the journey his character goes through, just building and building and getting more and more destructive and uh, energetic. So, you know, I, I think if you're just, they don't have a lot of time really to explore a lot of issues. And I think at the risk of avoiding getting overstuffed, I think it's just kind of a nice thing to have in the background is like a metaphor to mirror his journey. Yeah. And honestly, like they use that, they show us the flashes of the fires at certain moments and it works. Like it's kind of hokey, but it works as, you know, to create this sort of pot boiler feeling of it. Like I saw this in a very well air conditioned theater that was not full and I was sweating there because <laughs> of how intense and like heated it got mm-hmm. or it also just shows how much more stressful I guess the job would be under those conditions because mm-hmm. if I remember correctly like sometimes he'll get a call and he'll be like can you go help this person they're like no no we got these fires and it's like well <laughs> There are other people dying somewhere else. Or he gets calls that are like just a complete waste of time. Yeah. <laughs> Which were hilarious. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, some of them were pretty good. I got to admit. Uh, the prostitute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, it's like I, I think that also, once again, is also speaking to the type of cop that he is as someone who takes himself very seriously, only wants to be solving serious crimes and doesn't have a level of professionalism on the job. That's like the thing that I think that is being communicated here in regards to a, a subtle commentary on police professionalism, if you will. So I, I, I don't know if I'd go that far because that feels so specific to this particular character and everything that he's doing. But 
I, especially since to me, like this movie came off very pro cop. I don't know about that considering the ending. Yeah, I was going to say, I took the, I, I kind of see what you're saying, Dan, but I was definitely seeing what Matt was talking about earlier. Just like, you know, the rash decision making, the no consideration for rules and precedents, and definitely him coming to terms with kind of what his ruling is going to be the next day and kind of giving up that like flimsy defense they were going to try to use and stuff. Like, I think, I think Fuqua and John Hall are a bit smarter than like what the surface level reading would imply. I mean, yes. And maybe I'm just like super duper cynical, but like I couldn't help but feeling like, okay, good for this character, but <laughs> Jesus Christ, like we know how this is going to go anyway. Come on. Mm, fair. <laughs> that is very cynical, though. <laughs> hey, look, look, over the past five years, especially over the past year and a half, like, I have yeah. done sure, sure. nothing but get more cynical. <laughs> no, I, I, I understand. Understandable. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that you all might be shocked to know who never saw the original, Joe has an inhaler in this movie, which is... Not something that we often see, I feel like, in a lead character of a film. I feel like that's always something that is given to uh, a supporting character. And if that, it's usually in a uh, some sort of kid film, you know, with like a group of a group of friends. And one of the friends is the one that has the inhaler sort of thing. So I really enjoyed this relatable thing that uh, Pizzolatto gave to this character, uh, which also, once again, added some layers of tension at some times. Yeah, I agree. And that's what I was sort of saying also with the mental illness aspect of the his character as well. For example, I rewatched the original and like um we don't really learn much about his character and he keeps all of his emotions sort of internal, whereas, you know, Jake's Joe is more like He's going through all these stressors and he, you know, he's in the bathroom all the time, like really stressed out. And I think it just gives him an extra layer of all the crap he's going through. Plus, he also has to deal with this. And you're like, oh, is he going to like break at any moment kind of thing? Yeah. 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 I, I, yeah. I definitely know what you mean now. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, final thoughts on The Guilty. Um, it's like, you know, not a movie where I feel like there's. A ton to talk about because it is, as we mentioned before, such a tight film in many, many ways. It really gets down to business. And quite honestly, I don't really want to get into spoiler territory. So uh, why don't we pass it over to Will Mavity uh, first. Will, do you have any uh, final thoughts, anything that we uh, didn't mention that you want to mention or reiterate? No, I mean, I other than saying it's, you know, it's a totally competent movie. It's not really one I think that gives a whole lot to unpack like i said i think it was a little it could have honestly been a little shorter but i thought generally it's pretty well edited i mean i thought fuqua's direction was workmanlike you know visually he does a decent job making a single space look visually interesting enough and you know it's it, it's fine i think if you haven't seen it it'll be a it seemed the original it'll be a good little just netflix pot boiler all right nice uh zach gilbert yeah, I echo a lot of what Will said. I think that it'll actually be a huge hit with Netflix. I think it's the perfect just, you know, movie that can kind of satisfy anybody. It's really, it's only 90 minutes. It's really well acted. It's tense with a ton of twists. I thought it was a really fun time, and it was definitely a highlight of tip for me. Nice. Sarah? Um, I have nothing really to add, but I'm just really looking forward to seeing how 
people who really love the original um, respond to this one and see the different the different views. Dan Bear. Uh, yeah, I echo pretty much everything that everyone else says. It's a really tight, nice, fun little thriller. Jake Gyllenhaal is phenomenal, and if there's a reason to see it, it's him. Um, I think that there's kind of a ceiling with this particular kind of like sort of one-room thriller, and it hits that pretty easily. For me, it's never able to break through that ceiling, but I think that's because like the plot mechanics – they never struck me as like, oh my God, in a fun way, more in like a kind of eye-rolly way. Like, of course that's what happens. And I rolled with it because the movie is so well edited and exciting to watch and Jake is so good. But there's something I would I would like to have seen it done a little um tighter, a little more believable. And then it would really be something special. But as it is, it's really freaking good. Yeah, I mean, I think as a piece of entertainment, um, as mentioned before, just something you could pop on Netflix, no real crazy level of emotional investment, but just to watch something that's, you know, a straightforward thriller. You know, it feels like something that we would have gotten like in the 90s, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, I think there's still, you know, some value in that. I'm amazed that the shoot for this movie was 11 days uh, I'm, I'm always amazed at uh, tight shooting schedules, but that like just kind of even though it's one location, it still blows my mind just when you think of logistics of making a film. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to Christina Vidal and uh, Adrian Martinez, who are the only other two uh, characters that we ever see on screen that interact with uh, Joe throughout the movie, uh, especially uh, Adrian Martinez, who plays uh, Manny and uh, you know, I'm sure has to be look i mean i mean i guess christina uh vidal's character as well like just looking at jake uh, like this guy's freaking crazy <laughs> you know like everybody's so well composed and doing their jobs and this guy's like flipping out <laughs> you know oh man uh but it, it, it's a it's a good watch uh for sure and I really do like the editing in this movie. I know I know everyone's like saying it could be a little shorter, but I think this movie just moves like incredibly well throughout. And uh, some of some of my favorite editing of the year, honestly. And I do want to sing the praises of Jake Gyllenhaal here. I actually do think that this is one of his best performances. I think of like in a top 10. I think this deserves to be in there because acting alone with without a scene partner is extraordinarily difficult not something that every actor can pull off and yes even though he has these little interactions here and there with other people in the in the station it's mostly jake on the phone the entire time so i gotta give props to him uh overall though it didn't really do enough to justify its existence like as as alluded to earlier in terms of an american remake other than hey you may not not have seen this well we're not going to tell you to go watch it we're going to tell you to watch our version instead which i'm not really a fan of i really do think that we should be encouraging uh movie watchers to watch more foreign language films but it's not a bad movie so i'm going to give it a seven out of ten dan what about you uh same i'm at a seven out of ten sarah same seven out of ten zach Yep, 7 out of 10. Well? I'm not going to buck the trend. 7 out of 10. Look at us. Look at us. (laughs) Oh my god, you guys. I love us. (laughs) 
And then as far as like any type, uh, any kind of Oscar potential for this movie goes, you know, I floated the idea before and I'm curious to know since I have everyone's ears right now. I think there's a world where Jake Gyllenhaal could show up at Globes or SAG, if I'm being honest with all of you. Yeah, I mean, I I could see him being a random SAG nominee who then doesn't translate to the Oscar nomination. Um, you know, I I think Netflix is probably going to have their hands full this year with Benedict Cumberbatch and Andrew Garfield. So um, I don't see them pushing him too hard. Plus, like, you know, a, a totally, like, decent movie like this, it's... I don't think anyone's going to be talking about it in three months, right? Like it's yeah, it's That's not the, the kind of film that sticks around, maintains buzz like that from yeah. September. If this was the first and not a remake, I think we might be talking about it differently. But otherwise, I agree with you. Will I, I think that for most people who have Netflix, they have not neither seen the original nor care that this is a remake. Um. But yeah, like what you just said, like, I would love that to happen because I think that this is when everything is said and done. I think this will still be one of the best male leading performances of the year. But Netflix has so many movies that it's going to be campaigning this year with strong lead actor contenders. And they have so many movies in general that I find it hard to believe that something like this, which is good, but not exactly like great will still be remembered when it comes time to vote for these things. It'd be really nice if it was, though, because he so deserves it. I just can't believe his last nomination has is Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> his 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 last, his first and only. Yeah, I was going to say, like, that's not just his last. <laughs> yeah. God, when's it going to happen? <laughs> It'll happen when he's like 60. Maybe when he showers. The, Matt, didn't you hear that was a joke that got out of hand? <laughs> I know. Was it really? I'm playing. <laughs> he, I missed that memo. He, he now claims that it was, but we'll see. <laughs> okay. Sure, Dad. Sure. <laughs> I'm not the one who said that. He did. Listen, all I'm saying is that in order to get hair that perfect, traditionally, you got to let uh, those oils, you know, really sit there for a while. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, that'll do it for our conversation of the guilty here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Will Mavity, where can they find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Mavericks Movies. Zach Gilbert. You can find me on Twitter at Zach B. Gilbert. Sarah Clements. You can find me on Twitter at Mildred Spheres. And Dan Bear. You can find me on Twitter at Dance and Dan on Film. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. And you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Hold up. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.